On today's episode, we'll get into some news and notes around the league, including an interesting new name to add to the Leafs GM search. Canada wins gold at the World Championships and a certain Leafs prospect turning heads at the Memorial Cup. All that more coming up on the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the May 29th edition of the Locked On At Least podcast, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano from TSN, as well as my guy, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet. What's going on, pal? Did you enjoy your weekend? Uh, yes, I did. Enjoyed a little bit of sun, got a little bit of golf practice then there. So... Looking for a good summer. I didn't get it out onto the links as much as I wanted to last summer. Uh, I did not see any Leaf players there. For anybody who's going to make that joke, I don't. I don't have the prestige of playing at the same courses that these Leafs players. Play. No, no, neither, neither do I. Although I'm, I'm not a big golfer. I'd like to be. That's something that, like every summer, it's one of those things I tell myself every year. This year, I'm going to learn to to play golf and like be a good golfer. And every year the summer goes past and I, I think I would go to the driving range like three times and never actually hit the course, never actually play in a, you know, a full game uh, unless I'm at a bachelor party or something. I'm not going to get any good that way, Dave. So tell you what, keep me honest. Take me to the course. Let's go sometime. We'll have a little locked on Leafs, little uh, little outing at the golf course this summer. What do you think? We could definitely arrange that. You're just going to have to book up some time because it's it, it's not a quick game. And that's probably yeah. the biggest challenge is trying to get a full game in, especially yeah. if you want to do a full 18. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right. Uh, we've got a bunch of little news and notes we want to get to today. Um, we'll start with the what we know about here in Toronto, obviously. It is the Locked On Lease podcast, by the way. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Also find us on uh, YouTube, and, and please, we would ask you hit subscribe. We do put out content each and every weekday, even through the offseason, right? The Leafs, they may be done and hitting the links, but we're here grinding away every single day, putting out uh, the most up-to-date content for you. And unfortunately, though, Dave, there's, there's not much to update in terms of what's going on in the Leafs front office GM search. I mean, the, the name that keeps popping up and the only name that's really been popping up of late has been Brad Trilliving, the former general manager of the Calgary Flames. It's now been confirmed by multiple sources that he has officially interviewed for the Maple Leafs GM job, but it's also been noted that, um, you know, he's, he wasn't going to get offered the job right away. They did want to interview a couple more candidates. Some other names have surfaced as potential candidates, but no other firm names have really kind of come to light here. Is is that surprising to you at this point that it's been like two weeks since Kyle Dubas got let go, and the only real name we've heard of any con- concreteness is Brad Trilliving? Yeah, I know it's it's really strange because, I mean, at the same time, when you look at listen to all the other GM openings, like when Calgary was doing theirs, obviously with Pittsburgh, it was the same names being talked about. And it, I don't know if it's just 
teams are now just going back to the well of what you know other teams have used and i understand that because there's you know when you're looking for experience there aren't a lot of experienced guys just floating around out there so and i understand like the playoffs are still happening there might be some candidates that are not available to speak right now that's something that's also gotten a lot of uh talk recently as well but yeah i'm a little surprised we haven't heard even now even with just the leafs job with other jobs out there that there weren't haven't been many names being linked out there yeah there were a couple of names that have surfaced somewhat i think someone said that there might be interest in shirelli mark bergevin like there could be interest in these guys again to your point maybe people are linking them just because they are guys with experience uh, you know being a general manager i think i'm on actually the the um the very short list of people who not to say that i think bergevin would be the, the the right man for the job or should get the job but i'm i don't hate that as much as most i've seen a lot of people say that would just be an inexcusable fireable offense if brendan shanahan brought in mark bergevin to do the job i don't know if that's the case you know is he better than Dubas? I guess I don't know, but I didn't think he did a horrible job building a team in, in Montreal, but that's just, uh, that's my opinion. Bergevin wouldn't be the worst candidate out there, I would say. But one new interesting name has kind of entered the sweepstakes here, Dave, um, over the weekend. Who's the name that uh, Elliot Friedman brought up this weekend during uh, his 32 Thoughts segment? Yeah, because Elliot was being very careful with the names that he was throwing out there because he didn't say for sure he heard if they were talking, but he brought up when he brought Bergevin, Shirelli, I can't remember who the third name was. People were just like, ugh. And then all of a sudden he's like, I did hear that the Leafs reached out to one Doug Wilson. And that got me, that got me to see, sit, you know, when you do like a little bit like that, sit forward a little bit when you hear a name. Doug yeah. Wilson never thought I would hear that name for a couple of reasons. One, he was dealing with some medical issues and that's why he's no longer, he was no longer working with San Jose. He stepped down. Mike Greer took over for him there. So didn't even know that this was a possibility. So Freeman actually said not too long ago that Wilson was trying, it had been looking to get back into working again in hockey. I thought, okay, if he was going to get back to working, maybe he, do something in san jose but it felt like that was like also san jose saying we need to turn the page a little bit here and go in a new direction so i guess maybe like that was just an easy way to do that transition so that name is very interesting because we know what san jose has accomplished like out of all the teams over the last what 15 years i say they were one of the more consistently run oh, teams yeah yeah, the, the San Jose Sharks, like I, literally from the early 2000s, all the because he was the the GM from 2003 all the way until 2002 last year when he when he stepped away for medical reasons, as you mentioned. And of those, um, I mean, they made the playoffs pretty much every single year. Like they were always, always a top tier team up until you know, the, the last couple of years after, but he's the one who built that team what it was, you know, bringing in Thornton, you know, obviously having uh, you know, Patrick Marlowe turn into what he became, drafting Hurdle, Pavelski, all these players who went into building, a, I guess it wasn't a dynasty, but they're a perennial, like, president's trophy contending team 
year in, year out. I think they ended up making four conference finals appearances and then did make the one Stanley Cup final back in 2016 against uh, against Crosby and the Penguins, which they lost. But, you know, this is a guy who knows how to build a good team. Um, and he's he's done that in the past. So he's a little older, though, because I think he's, what, 65 years old? Like, he's he's, he's yeah. not a spring chicken. Like, that's a – he's a – a little bit on the uh, on the older side, I would say. So, how much longer does he does he want to get into in back into management in this high level position in this type of market? I mean, San Jose is one thing. Being the GM in Toronto is a completely different beast. Um, is it a situation he wants to get himself into? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. But uh, it is interesting that uh, you know, reportedly, they've had some preliminary discussions if whether or not there would be interest on both sides to uh, to go through on that process and maybe make Doug Wilson the next general manager. Um, also, uh, it sounds as though um, one of the least potential coaching candidates is about to get scooped up here. Peter Laviolette, not sure if you've seen the update as of yesterday, but it sounds like it's getting close between him and the New York Rangers. So, you know, the Leafs, by not getting this GM job kind of sorted out quickly, now they're starting to lose out on some head coaching candidates because I thought Lavi would have been a good option. Yeah, I mean, I know people, when they hear Peter Laviolette's name, they they don't really take into account how successful he's been in the NHL. I know that they see, like, he's been moving around from team to team to team, but, um, yeah, that's it's the unfortunate part is, like, if, if the Leafs do – really not intend on bringing back Sheldon Keefe. It's just such a weird situation that you're going to keep this open for as long as possible with the GM job and then be like, all right, Sheldon, sorry, you're gone. And then you look at the, it could be a similar situation with the Kyle Dubas. It's like, all right, Kyle Dubas is gone. Let's see who we got out there that we can bring in. And it's like, oh, like half of the, half the people that we could have considered have been hired or moved on, right? Like, Laviolette's um, a name. I mean, Spencer Carberry could be gone pretty soon if Washington decides to pull the trigger on that. Um, obviously, there could be some other openings depending on how the rest of the playoffs go and how, you know, if Kyle Dubas goes into Pittsburgh, is Mike Sullivan a guy that becomes available? Like, that. that's something that, like, yeah, the Leafs want to make sure they're doing their due diligence on all their GM stuff, but if Brandon Shanahan is waiting for the new GM to make that move and pretty much is saying you're coming in, you can take, you can get rid of the coach. We can get another coach and leaving it for the GM to make that decision. You're setting yourself up to now having to hire the GM. And then he's got to take some time to then go through his list of coaching candidates. Like it's not, it's not going to be something that's going to happen instantaneously. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that that list is is a short list already, and he's you know part of the interviewing process as a GM is who would you want as your head coach, and he probably would have a list of like three or four guys that he'd like to bring in. Yeah, um, and that process might be be pretty quick. But to your point, I mean, the quicker you finalize your general manager position, the quicker you can get to who your next head coach is going to be. Um, so I mean, that's, that's where we're at right now. No GM, which means the coach is very much in limbo. I mean, technically, I guess Sheldon Keefe, there's still a possibility that they could come back with him. He has not been let go yet. He does have a contract for next season as well. Um, so maybe they come in and the GM, you know, says, all right, let's, 
Let's see what Keefe has for one more year. I guess that is also a possibility. And then maybe next summer they can go in a different direction. But uh, Laviolette, I thought, was a, a pretty good option. I actually, there's this clip that's going around. I sent it to you, Dave. We want to quickly play it because you want if you're wondering, like, why does Mike think that Peter Laviolette would be a good option here in Toronto? What has Laviolette done? He won a Stanley Cup back in, what, 05, 06 with Carolina, but since then has not won a Stanley Cup. He's made it to one Stanley Cup final since then. But you talk about how much we wanted to see accountability out of the team this year, and we just didn't really see that, especially in a lot of the postseason you know, scrums that we saw. This is a coach that demands accountability, and I kind of like that. Here's a clip from, I think it was through the 24-7 series, uh, years back when he was with the Philadelphia Flyers, and this was a you know a little uh, a little in between intermission rant that he had on his team after a couple of crummy games. Is that period we're seven to one for the opposition? Do you know why, Hartsy? Because it's about as casual as it gets, as casual as it gets. In Boston, we said, "All right, got mixed in the schedule. Let's turn the page." Somebody tell me, what the f*** is the difference now? What's the problem now? I want to see people rip their heart out of their f***ing chest this period. And if you don't, you're probably not going to like your ice time. Take your first shift, you'll get it, earn the second one. I'm not putting up with it. It's too much It's too much. Don't allow it. D-zone coverage, soft down low. Out to the points, casual strides. We don't want to block a shot because it hurts. One game, Boston, all right, let's move on. Tonight, unacceptable. Not going to happen. We're way better than what we just showed. Every guy in here knows it, and you should not accept it. Don't. you got 20 minutes. You win a period, you win a game, we move on. But you need to dig in right now, every guy. Enough is enough. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. Dude, how many times do you think the the team, the Maple Leafs, the stars on this team needed to hear something like that? Something like that to get them going. Like that's the type of accountability that I think maybe this this team needs. Um, there was a couple of, of quotes there that I do want to pull out. He said specifically, um, uh, he said, if I don't like your first few shifts, you're not gonna like your you're not gonna like your ice time the rest of the game, basically. And that is something that you know Sheldon Keefe never ever did. If somebody was having a lazy game, he didn't really limit their minutes. Like there was no John Tortorella esque benching. Not that I think there needs to be complete benching, but even the one time where Marner was benched for one one shift. He came out after and he's like, that wasn't a benching. Like he didn't even look at it as that instead of taking, you know, an opportunity to kind of say, well, yeah, you, when you dog it for a shift, that's what happens here. You never had any of that. So, you know, that's the type of stuff that I think maybe this, this team needs going forward. Like I understand Mike Babcock was, was that, that way at some point, but don't you have to believe Dave, that this team at some point has matured enough to the point where they can, they now need a Mike Babcock kind of coach, like a, a hard ass type of coach who's not just going to let you do whatever you want. Like, I think they need a little kick in the pants every now and then. And there needs to be some sort of accountability. I didn't see it a whole lot out of Sheldon Keefe in the last couple of seasons. And based off of, 
you know, the way that the, the post game, you know, postseason media availabilities went, nobody took accountability for how the season went along. I would imagine under a period, Peter Laviolette led uh, Leafs team, there might be a little bit more accountability in the play of the team. And that might be something that could be good for the Maple Leafs going forward. And and not even in Peter Laviolette. Look at one of the guy. Look at the guy who just led his team to the Stanley Cup final, Paul Maurice. Yeah. Mike, you and I were there when the Panthers were in town during a like the Panthers got great news where a goal a goal was called back, and he but that stop Paul Maurice from giving it to his team on the bench where everyone can see and hear it. Right, you're like as a coach, you got to be willing to. It's your voice that gets the players going in those situations where if the play is dropped, if this, if it's substandard, if it's not to what you believe is the standard, they have to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. They can't be I'll told that it's acceptable or things are going to turn around. Yep. I, I'll say this too. Like you look at, you look at Vegas, who's currently up three, two, hopefully they can get over the finish line. I guess they were up three Oh, and now it's looking a little dicey. But they're up three, three nothing in the series, uh, and and whatever they're up three two in the series. Look who their coach is, Bruce Cassidy. Do you remember what they were saying about Bruce Cassidy when his time was done in Boston? They didn't really like the coach because he was kind of a hard ass, and and sometimes that's what you need to get the best out of a group. They may not like them, but they got a lot, a hell of a lot out of that out of that group with Bruce Cassidy, and now he's over in Vegas. And I remember when Max Pacioretty got traded, he came on, I don't remember what podcast it was, but he was on some podcast and, and he was talking, maybe he was spitting chiclets. And he said he felt like there was a lack of accountability in Vegas. And then all of a sudden they bring in Bruce Cassidy and you've got that accountability back into that locker room. And look, they're one win away from a Stanley cup championship. It's to, to have a player's coach, I think, is important for, for certain teams and at certain points in their career. But for a team that maybe needs to, to get a little kick in the pants and get over the over the, the, the hump that they've been in, I think maybe a, a bit more of an old school coach might be what this club needs at this point. And if, you know, the players aren't ready for it, maybe they're just not ready to – they're not – they're not willing to do what it takes to win if they don't want a coach who could do that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's ultimately how I'm starting to feel at this point now. So we'll see who the coach ends up being. There's a lot of different candidates out there. Um, but again, before you get to the coaching search, they got to finish up with their GM search. So hopefully that can happen uh, as soon as possible. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. When we get back, let's chat a little bit about, uh, a certain Lee's prospect that's turning heads over at the Memorial Cup scored a goal over the weekend. And uh, also over in Lapia, Canada, winning another gold medal. We'll chat quickly about that as well. Uh, but first, Dave, before we get any further, let me tell you all about one of our show sponsors today. And that is eBay Motors, a championship team, is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with the vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Lockdown Lease Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We are hosts of this podcast, one in which you can listen to or watch up on YouTube each and every 
weekday. If you're enjoying this content and you are uh, new to the show, we ask that you do subscribe and come back uh, because, again, we're putting out this stuff for you guys each and every day. And if you are one of our everydayers, thank you so much for coming back once again. All right. Um, as you know, the NHL is doing their thing. Junior hockey is also wrapping up their final tournament here with the Memorial Cup. And there's only one least prospect that is taking part in the Memorial Cup. A lot of the, the least prospects are, um, you know, it, there's a lot of American and European least prospects at this point playing either in the NCAA or, uh, you know, playing overseas. So only one least prospect actually making their way into the Memorial Cup. And he is starting to turn some heads. My friend, Fraser Minton, the least second round pick from this past season, uh, scored a goal in uh in cam loops win the other night and he's really starting to make a name for himself out there i've seen a lot of people tweeting that he looks he looks healthy for the for you know the first time yeah. in a little while cam robinson who's a big time uh you know chl scout and um he talks about it i believe he's with dauber you know he is someone who certainly is, is starting to uh get impressed by what fraser minton's been doing so that's good news if you're a leaf fan yeah, I mean, let's not forget that he left the Leafs training camp with an injury. So, yeah. in, like injuries are, I think he had like three different injuries this year. He didn't go to the World Juniors because of an injury. So, a lot of his development was taken back. And then I know that Kamloops made the big trade and loaded up because every team that's going to the Memorial Cup always, you know, trades away their whole future yeah. just to try to make sure they're prepped for this tournament. Like their next seven first round picks and second round picks. And remember that Olin Zellweger trade? It was like 12 first, 12 picks. I think like full five of them are first rounders. It was insane. Yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. Like, to, like the trades that they make um, in the, in, in the CHL, like here, we're just going to give you everything we got. Basically. I think it, I think they had four first round picks, two second round picks. Oh, here, a third round pick, fourth round pick, fifth round pick. And three players for Owen Zellweger and Ryan Halfer, which uh, is just ludicrous. But yes, I mean, the good thing for Minton is that you know he's showing what he can do in in situations that maybe we didn't expect. Right, his his goal scoring ability is there, especially on the power play. Um, that seems to be his favorite uh, his favorite time of the game is to produce on those ones there and. You know, he's also a guy that doesn't mind mixing it in. I did see that he, I don't know, he would fight, throw the big hits. That's 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 something the Leafs don't really have a lot of guys that are going to play with a little bit of jam. Yeah. Well, I remember him when he was drafted. He was kind of touted as, you know, maybe he could be a, a tweener, uh, you know, a, a middle six guy, but sounds as though he was, you know, drafted to be a really solid you know, a third line center, right? A, a two-way defensively responsible center who can provide some offense as well if he can grow into it. So that's what I recall at the time of the draft. You know, that was his uh, calling card was to be a, a really good third line center. But hey, man, if he can develop a little more offense to his game and then just become, you know, like a, a second line guy, number two, you know, at some point that certainly will help this team a lot moving forward. Um, I don't know what his timeline is in terms of when to expect to see him in the NHL. Uh, I guess I would be a little surprised if it's next season, but um, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening, but it's, it's nice to see that there is a least prospect that is starting to, uh, 
you know, make a bit of a name for himself and rise up those prospect rankings, um, you know, throughout, uh, throughout hockey coverage. So uh, I'll be excited to see what, what else Fraser Minton could do throughout the week as, as the tournament progresses. Um, you noted that there was a, uh, the athletic drop something about these prospects. You want to talk about that really quickly? Yeah. So the, uh, athletic, uh, Scott Wheeler put out, uh, the, his prospect pool rankings, uh, for all 32 NHL teams, the Leafs have actually gone down his list. They were ranked 15 last year. Now they are down to 18. Uh, so they still remain in the top 20, but obviously, you know, you want to see them a little bit higher than 15 or 18 in that range. Obviously, um, and Wheeler did note this in his column that part of the reason too is the uncertainty of Rodion Amirov's status and his health. You know, if he's probably healthy and doing a little bit better, maybe his stock raises it up a little bit. Like he'd probably be if if he was healthy and playing to his abilities, he'd be among the top three these prospects, I would say. He he's at that age now where as a, a mid first round pick, he'd be knocking on the door. Yeah. of of being in the nhl like that's that's where he would be at at this point um but obviously he's he's not you know and and hopefully at some point he can get his career back back in order after um I, I, has he successfully beat can't i thought i saw a report or something that i don't know if he rang the bell yet or not but He's uh, he's battling, man. He's 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 battling. And then I, I know that he's been back on the ice. I do know uh, that that is the case. And, and again, hopefully he can get to a point where he can get his career back on track and, you know, make the NHL because that'd just be a terrific story. Right. A kid that gets drafted high and then unfortunately um, ends up getting diagnosed with cancer and then took a couple years you know, off of his development and then gets back onto the ice and finally pulls through and makes it to the NHL that, that, that'd be just such a great story. So hopefully it, it can happen. Well, we're all rooting for him, obviously. Um, but yeah, you know, a couple other least prospects to, to watch, uh, Topi Nimala made his way across seas. He's been playing or he was playing until they got eliminated with the Marlies in the AHL. He's one of their top defensemen throughout the playoffs. Roni Irvinen also made his way over here from uh, from Finland. And a couple other guys, Nick Moldenauer, who's uh, going to be in the NCAA. And uh, Nikita Grabyankin is another prospect who actually really started to turn heads over in, uh, in, in Russia. He's a player who, I don't know if there was a lot of people expecting him to do a whole lot. I think he was, what, a first or a fifth round pick. Or something like that from the uh, by the Maple Leafs last year. I'm just quickly looking up what is uh, what what year he was drafted in, but it was either last year or the year before. Uh, no, it was, was last drafted. season. Yeah, 2022. Yeah, so it was last season. But he had a big season, um, you know, playing in the in the KHL, and and a lot of people thought that uh, you know he was not going to be in the men's league. I guess this season he started the year off in the MHL and the VHL, but ended up going up to the KHL. And I mean, as a, as a young player, just 20 years old, 19, 20 years old this season, um, for him to end up with a, a full 45 games with 26 points in the KHL, 
that's not what you see typical from, you know, young Russian players. So uh, a lot of excitement about potentially Gribyankin being a nice little find there in the, in the, I think he's a fifth round pick. So there's some prospects. There's some guys who've got some, you know, some, uh, some excitement to them, but obviously with, Matthew Nyes, he's going to graduate from prospect status next year. I assume he'll be a full-time guy. Hopefully Nick Robertson can stay healthy and become a full-time contributor with the Maple Leafs. And I would also assume that uh, Joe Wall will also become a full-time contributor for Toronto uh, next season as well. So, um, But at some point, all these other kids, they got to make their way up and, and they got to start building you know, this prospect pipeline and have them come up through the system as well. All right, buddy, let's take one more quick break when we get back. Let's chat a little bit about uh, Canada winning gold. Gold, Canada gold. Once again at the World Championships. So we'll get to that on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Moore Studios and the Locked On These Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Moore Sudi. Uh, Canada winning another gold medal over at the World Hockey Championships. They defeated Germany by a score of 5-2. to two. Got a couple goals from Sammy Blay. Lawson Krauss scored a goal to Foley, Scott Lawton. So they're, they're, they're big boys because this wasn't a, a star-studded group that, uh, you know, sometimes you'll see go play at the World Championships this wasn't. Uh, they had two players, and that was Lawson Krause and Tyler Toffoli, who had scored 20 goals uh, or more in an NHL season. That's it, just two. So it's kind of a grinded-out type of team. And, you know, we weren't sure what to expect with this Canadian team, especially after they lost uh, to um, – oh, why am I blanking here? Not not Slovakia. Who did Norway. Lost to Norway in uh, in a shootout, which was like, what is going on here? But they were able to uh, to bounce back and uh, make their way through to the gold medal, and and ultimately got lucky, I guess, with Germany upsetting the USA, and then it was a bit of an easier path. They had to beat you know Latvia in the semis, and then Germany in the final. They never had to play the Americans, who were who were favored to win the tournament. Um, at the end of uh, preliminaries. So kind of got themselves a, a nice favorable route to the gold medal, and they made no mistake, nice little 5-2 victory. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a little retribution from last year where they lost in overtime to Finland in the gold medal game, beat yeah. Finland in the quarterfinal this year. Usually it's like, as we said in the last uh, pod, that Finland and Sweden are kind of like the kings of this tournament because that's like all they get all their countrymen to come back and yeah, play. They all play. They all play. Yeah. Uh, not as many this time around, um, I, I would say. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's nice to see some of these guys that maybe we you don't get to see in the spotlight get did that you, opportunity. Did you see what former Maple Leaf was on Team Canada? On Team Canada. Here's trivia for you. Here's trivia for you. Which former Maple Leaf? Who was traded? Yeah, for I know. Where Josh Levo played for Team Canada this year at the World Hockey Championships. We're we talking about. Uh, is it Amadio? No, Amadio's yeah. playing for Vegas right now, pal. That's right. No, oh, Carconi, Carconi, Michael yeah. Carconi. Wrong Italian name. Wrong Italian. Yeah. Name, David. Carconi. He was the uh, yeah. He was the Josh Levo. 
uh, return. And then, uh, yeah, he's uh, he was playing with for Team Canada, one gold with Team Canada. So congrats to former Maple Leaf, Michael Carconi. I think he's with Arizona now, I think I saw. Yes. I, I opened up a, a Young Guns of his recently, and it was he was in an Arizona sweater. So I, I'm pretty sure he's still he's with the Young Guns. He's seen a lot of sweaters and a lot, especially – because I know he was he was with Vancouver and then from Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, well, he, for Vancouver, he did a lot. He didn't. He was he played in the AHL and I think he was in the Sens organization at some point. He was yeah. maybe part of the CC trade. I think maybe because um, he was there. He played because he played with uh, uh, Corrado because Corrado was yeah. talking about how he played with him when he was in Belleville. So he was in Belleville and then I guess Tucson and and Arizona. So. Good on Michael Carcoke, former Toronto Maple Leaf, winning himself a gold medal. Adam Fantilli wins himself a gold. How about that? Did you see? Did you see what type of year this guy had? Like, if 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 there wasn't a Connor Berdard in this draft, like this would be a pretty pretty good first overall pick. This has got to be one of the better second overall picks that we've seen as a prospect coming into uh, coming into the season. I don't know if you saw that tweet that was going around about what this guy has done in the last, uh, in the last calendar year, but he led the NCAA in goals. You showing it here? Yeah. Yeah. So Cam Robertson said, uh, yeah. So he's led the NCAA in goals with 30 led the NCAA in points with 65. By the way, he's an 18 year old freshman. <laughs> he did this. It was insane on route to winning the Hobie Baker award for best player in all of college at the age of 18. It's, it's wild. NCAA freshman of the year, obviously um, one gold for can at the world junior championships. And then obviously winning himself uh, a gold medal at the world championships as well. And then is uh, expected to be the, the number two pick in the draft this year. So um, as, as upset as the ducks probably are, uh, that they didn't end up with the number one pick and they won't get uh, Bedard here. What's going on with their videos here, guy? Uh, <laughs> it just changed our whole layout. That was a little, yeah, that was strange. Uh, they probably are pretty happy with this nice little, uh, this nice little consolation prize. Uh, this Fantilli we- consolation prize feels better than the Bobby Ryan consolation prize from m- many years ago. I was going to say, is this like the Jack Eichel to the Connor McDavid? Yeah, honestly, this is kind of what it feels like. This is what it feels like, where it's like if, if Eichel was, you know, the the prospect the year before, he would have been the number one pick and maybe even the year after. It would have been interesting to see Eichel or Matthews, who would have went number one overall. But, um, yeah, this is very similar where it's like you've got two guys who are worthy of a number one pick. One just happens to be generational but this guy has a chance to be a superstar as well. But generational is better than superstar, so you're going to take that guy number one. But there's many, many, many teams, I'm sure, that would have loved a chance to draft a a Jack Eichel-level player with their first overall pick. I mean, outside of McDavid, go look at all the number one picks that Edmonton took over the years. I guarantee you Jack Eichel would have been a better pick than all of them. I mean, no disrespect to, to Nuge, who had a hell of a season this year. But mm-hmm. I'll take Eichel over Nugent Hopkins all day, every day. Yakupov, obviously. Taylor Hall, yep, give me Eichel. So, uh, yeah, this is very, I guess, similar to the the McDavid-Eichel 
Bedard Fantilli uh, situation here. Uh, all right, buddy. Good stuff. Um, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. And to thank you all for listening and supporting the show, you can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morasudi and follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. Go ahead, leave a thumbs up if you enjoyed the video. Leave a comment down below. Who do you think would make a good GM candidate? Are you interested in Doug Wilson? And what do you make of the coaches available as well? As we can maybe start to poke around and dig around on that uh, situation as the league, as as the week progresses. Uh, We'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.